Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and broadcasting at 1.30 p.m. Mondays on WTY Unity Radio 102.9 FM in Worcester. I am Craig S. Seaman and today my special guest in the studio is the king of pop culture. You have seen him critiquing pop culture collectibles on the Antique Roadshow for 13 years. And he's the mastermind behind the Northeast Comic Con and Collectible Extravaganza. Happening March 15th, 16th, and 17th. That's this weekend at the Boxborough Regency Hotel. Plenty of free parking. Please give a warm well aloha to the one and only Gary Summers. Aloha, Craig. Aloha, everybody. Thank you for listening. Hey, thank you, Gary. Thank you for uh, making a trip from... Uh Hudson, I love Hudson. It's 20 minutes. It's previous. Thank you for that. And we have a big show coming up. As I said, we have the big uh, Northeast Comic-Con and Collectibles extravaganza. And anybody who's having cabin fever, who's into collectibles, this is the show for them. Because this is pretty much the first in the area. The first in the season. First in the season. And it's going to be 60 degrees on Friday. So... Get out of the house. Now, I know you're an expert on pop culture, and I used to frequent your place at Wex Rex, which is still legendary in my mind in Hudson. Um, we've had a lot of pop culture deaths in recent weeks, and I was going to ask you whether or not some of the, the collectibles, if there are collectibles connected with these people, are they worth anything? Are they not worth anything? Stuff like that. And also, big weekend Captain Marvel opened. And I know that has changed the landscape. Not Captain Marvel per se, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe has changed uh, the landscape a bit on collectibles. I remember seeing an Ant-Man comic book, the Zoom Up in price, and I asked the person, were you getting that kind of money for that a year ago? And they said, we, went, we couldn't get rid of it in the $2 bin <laughs> <That's right. laughs> two, two weeks earlier. So uh, first off, I know you're, you're a Monkees fan. I am. You've actually had some of the Monkees at your events in the past. Well, Mickey Dolans and I go back many, many years. I met him back in the early 1970s when he was on tour with Dolans, Jones, Boyce, and Hart. And oh, wow. Uh, back in the 19, er, late 1990s when, or early 2000s when I was on Antiques Roadshow, right. Mickey had a radio show on WCBS in New York every morning. And he invited me down every month to come down and do psychic appraisals on the oh. radio. <laughs> and Mickey was always amazed at how much useless information I knew. <laughs> and we would have a great time talking about the past and history and future. And for the last 25 years, we've been good friends, and uh, he comes and appears at my Comic-Cons at least once a year. We'll see what he, you know, you what had this him last year, year Yeah, we had him last year. We've had him the year before. Mickey is a, an incredible singer, songwriter, musician, performer, and scientist. So he's just a really brilliant guy to talk to. If you could talk philosophy yes. or, or psychology or science with Mickey or music or music history, it's, in, it's really a, a thrill. And I've met Mike a couple of times. Back in the 90s, I did many shows, Comic-Con type shows, with Davy Jones when Davy was... You know, um, doing autograph right. signings. And he was the nicest guy. Right. I didn't know Peter very well. Met him a couple times. 
Um, and in the last couple of years, when his cancer would act right. up, he wasn't out doing many of the Comic Cons right. and autograph shows. So I didn't get to work with him that much. Right. Yeah, I interviewed uh, both Mickey and Peter in the past. And I, you talk about Mickey's uh, intellect. Uh, you would probably, you can correct him from wrong on this, but I believe he still has a check for maybe 100 or $500 for the person who gives him a question that stumps him that he never heard before. And I was going to come up with some kind of metaphysical type of question, but I'm like, nah, I won't be. I, won't. I better go and collect my check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Peter Tork, as you mentioned, did thus pass away, and uh, with him a piece of the beloved childhood of many baby boomers everywhere died with him. Does Tork's death make monkeys memorabilia worth more? Of course. If you have all four signatures on an object, that's a big difference because now you can't get all four. You can only get two. So the aspect of value comes in supply and demand. Right. Right now, the monkeys are hitting that age group, us, yeah. that uh, you know we're not really investing in our youth. But the best part about the monkeys was is in the 1980s is they affected a whole new generation thanks to MTV. MTV generation, and this yeah. And their children now have embraced the monkeys for the zaniness, the music being very popular, thanks to Shrek. Now, right. I'm a believer is, oh, that's Shrek's song. Right. No, no, that's a monkey song. <laughs> and Mickey does his shows. He always says, hey, I sang it first, you know, yeah. because he did. He was before Shrek to keep these kids. Now they're discovering the monkeys as being the music great. The antics on TV was revolutionary at the time, but first still culture, maintained. counterculture show on TV. Well, it was more like how can this reality being depicted on TV actually be real? And it was. Right. That was the funny part is as the 60s evolved, you realize, yeah, we could put a rock band together and we could, you know, become famous. And, <laughs> and it was just like how many, every band, every person that ever saw the Velvet Underground started a band. Right. Well, with the Monkees, I'd say it's almost the same thing. Right. Everybody who ever watched the Monkees on TV and loved it got into showbiz. Right. Because... They're either a director or an editor or an actor or a musician. I mean, it influenced everything. Wow. Now, let's say... And uh, merchandise. Well, uh, merchandise, and, and which you're going to have plenty of vendors at your event, probably but realistically, is the Monkees merchandise followed the Beatles and Elvis Presley in this right. hierarchy of how much product was put out with their logo and their name on it. Yeah. Massive amount. So now you say, has it gone up in value? Well, if you've got anything, a lunchbox signed by all four, it's going to be worth 10 times what a lunchbox unsigned would be worth if you can prove that the signatures are real. Right. So this is where value and death come into play. In the Deadpool, do you go out and buy <laughs> a whole bunch of something because the guy's old, like Adam West was, or anything else, and you get this opportunity to get it signed at the, at the end, Stan yeah. Lee, bam, is it going to go up in value or not? It depends on the demand. But in the case of Adam West and Stan Lee, near the end, they, were, they were asking... Buffo bucks for this. They were asking eighty to hundred bucks. That's yeah. a cheap price when people are selling them online for five hundred. I know. At I'm... the time, Adam would say to me, "Well, Gary, you know they're charging five hundred dollars over there. Why shouldn't I get a hundred? You know." And I'm like, "Adam, charge whatever you want. Uh, These people come to say thank you, and they love them. They do not come to buy something. They come to say thank you. So when we bring celebrity guests in, and I have to say, I go back with Adam West back to his." 
first show that he did without having to wear his costume and stay at a car show and sign for free. He came to our show in in Woburn, and a thousand people lined up in the first day at ten bucks an autograph to just say thank you, Adam, and give him ten bucks. And it was that was in eighty five or eighty six. And at the last show, it was 80 bucks, and everyone was still thankful to hand over right. their money. I know. He, there was never a question that he was going to attract a line. But it, it was more a thank you. People wanted to, when we bring in celebrities, we bring in celebrities so people can go up and say, thank you for all the joy you gave me. Thank <laughs> you for playing that music. Thank you for making that movie, making that TV show, whatever it was. It's a one-on-one with right. a celebrity to be able to say, wow. I really appreciate you. Here, take my money, please. You know. <laughs> now I want to. I, I I have a few people I want to get through, and I know your time sure. is precious. Um, I should the monkeys be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, absolutely. They should have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the first five years, only because they are the third largest merchandising rock and roll band. They are the most recognizable rock and roll band. Nobody could say, I never heard of the monkeys. Yeah. Uh, nobody. You can't say, you never heard of the monkeys? Because everybody has. So what is the connotation of being in the rock hall? Doing something influential and important in rock music. Right. That's the answer. Yes, they belong. Now. And Jay Giles. And Rick Derringer. <laughs> and Todd Rundgren. I mean, I could give you a list of great performers That's that belong. another show. Hmm? That's another show. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that next time. We'll the beat rock up and roll the Rock Hall. hall. <laughs> well, see, I work with them. I love them. The Rock and Roll Hall. Frank. I love them. I work with them. I do a lot of appraisal work for them. I did the. Oh, written, I, didn't know that. I did the written appraisal for Janis Joplin's Porsche, the, the multicolored Porsche. Oh, shame. I've done great donations to the Rock Hall through uh, important people who wanted to get their. Greg Hawks of the Cars just entered the Rock Hall, and I helped him with his uh, nice. collectibles. His jacket and his keyboards that he wore on tour. You know, that's the great thing about being me right now is I get to help a lot of people satisfy their needs. Getting rid of stuff they need to get rid of. Helping museums and archives and trying to get the history documented. I mean, I helped the uh, Boston Globe donate a million photographs to Northeastern University. I helped the Boston Phoenix Archive be placed into the uh, Northeastern University's archives because these are important historical things that need to be uh, available for research and study in the future. And if they're gone, they're gone. They're gone, but the other side of that is some of the stuff's not worth anything, you know what I mean? And if it's not in a museum or in a historical society, there's no value to it. So it's all in separating the the crap from the the, the Shinola (laughs) in a situation where everybody has a house full of stuff. If you need to get rid of your house full of stuff... What do you want to do with it? Have a guy clean it out and dump it and throw it away and landfill it? Or would you rather have it go to the right places? <laughs> now, to change gears a little bit, and this is fascinating, Gary. Thank you so much. This is a thrill for me. It's always exciting when I see some guy I envy for years actually. Shut up. I'm not enviable. <laughs> Trust me. So, I'm uh, just a nerd, dude. Uh same here. March yeah, exactly. fourth, uh, a little different. We lost Luke Perry at the age of fifty-two. Perry, of course, became an overnight teen idol, playing Dylan McKay on Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. And as you probably remember, even though you might not have cared during the during the Beverly Hills nine hundred two one heyday, there was a lot of memorabilia put out there, it was. including a twelve-inch Dylan McKay doll. Is any of that stuff worth money? No. Sorry, but <laughs> the hard answer is uh, there was a group of people that appreciated that, but it yeah. wasn't to cult status. And unfortunately, 
when you take a lot of these what we call B celebrities right. that are really talented, they don't get that mass appeal. Right. That makes them that. Yeah, there was this huge outcry from all these people. Oh, what happened? Because he died young. He was still right. working. And there was all these things. But you could probably go back from the last two years and see 300 of that level of people that have died right. uh, that have not made a blip in the collectibles And I think it was the age thing that took a lot of people. And I actually, that thought, was I actually thought he was older than that. I didn't. I thought he was, you know, <laughs> at that age. But it really didn't matter. He was like, you know, an ensemble cast member yeah. that had a few other things. You you go to any other show, Dawson's Creek, or any of the shows from that era, and right. there's 20 people in each of those casts. Some of right. them have gone on to be good. Some have just right. faded away, and some had to get out of showbiz. But the demand created by uh, stardom and values rising is what creates uh, demand on the supply. Now, i got to ask you a little offbeat question, which I know you can handle. Uh, there was a show called Saved by the Bell, yeah. which you probably remember, and it included Screech. A, uh, yeah, it included a doll of Elizabeth Berkeley who yep. played Jesse on the show, who would go on to star in the infamous Showgirls movie. Yep, which is a horrible movie, but it's infamous. Yeah, uh, is that doll worth anything? It's the same. It's in the twenty to thirty dollar range. Oh, you so know? it's worth nothing. That's it's a, something. I mean, it, I mean, it was, was probably twelve bucks. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Now it's worth three times. So if someone bought a case condition. of them, they're not they're not retiring. This I don't week. think they're going to make money with a with a warehouse full of uh, <laughs> of that era uh, girls' toys. Okay. Now, just to say, yeah. from that era, if you had bought video games and kept them in the packages, they you'd now have. A Isn't warehouse. it amazing? Who would ever thought video games be? Uh, me? Oh, did you well, cash in on that? No, I don't cash in. No, but I mean, but did I'm you know on, Were you on there on uh, the... Always. But the point is, is it's all called planned obsolescence. Whatever yeah. someone uses, uses up, throws away, or trashes, becomes desirable later. Right. So how many people put mint to box things away right. from that era? Right. Yeah, especially so that, finding yeah. those type of things are what's now all of a sudden running this giant uh, marketplace uh, like PAX East. You go to PAX East, you'll see little cartridges selling for hundreds of dollars. Wow, that's amazing. And it's all about knowing which ones are the good ones, which ones aren't. There's some that are $2. And yeah. you look at them, you look at them right next to each other. Why is this 100 and this one's $2? Well, this one's 100 because there's very few of these. Right. And Supply again meets demand. Wow. People drive them up. I mean, they had a, I think, a hundred thousand dollar video game sell at auction, you know? Wow. That's amazing. Uh recently, although we heard about it real late, Jan Michael Vincent passed away, who of course appeared in Danger Island segments of Hannah Barbera, the Banana Splits. And probably better known for uh, the mechanic opposite Charles Bronson and Hooper opposite Burt Reynolds, and of course. Bet, will always be known for Stringfellow Hawk and Airwolf, uh, which he uh, co-starred with Ernest Borgnine. Is any of the Airwolf or Jan Michael Vincent memorable, memorabilia worth anything? No, and what's sad <laughs> is that neither is Ernest Borgnine. And Ernest Borgnine had a 50-year career and created... Plus, right? Plus Oscars, plus created iconic characters. Yeah. And now... The generation today doesn't even know who Ernest really? Borgnine is. So, Jan Michael Vincent, he's a blip. I actually thought he was already dead. Well, no, no his career was. Yeah, well, we knew that. You know, alcohol and drugs killed a lot of careers, you yeah. know? And until they die, you don't remember them. Yeah. Uh, March 4th, we also lost King Kong Bundy, best known for World Wrestling Federation in the mid-'80s and the mid-'90s. Do we care? 
some Pop people care. Line. Well, he was a there's a generation of wrestling fans that loved him. But I remember working with Killer Kowalski back in the day and all you know, all great nice people. You know, yeah. I've worked with Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. It's a they're show business people, they're entertainers. Right. And the same as any other entertainer, a fan wants to come up and say, Thank you, take my money. Right. You know, they <laughs> they don't want to give it to the manager or the record company or the, they can give it right to a celebrity. Yeah. They feel, I mean, if it's the agent right there, they know the money's going directly to them. So there's a lot of people out there that have their photos with King Kong, they have their autographs, they're not gonna go up in value, but there was a great demand when he was alive right. and a, a fondness after he passes. Right. Now, over the weekend, as you're probably aware, Captain Marvel with Brea Larson, Academy Award winner, opened in theaters. Are Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel comic books going to be something worth anything more because of the movie? Well, there's, with comic books, movie can affect it in one of two ways. It can make a uh, price skyrocket, or it could drive it into the gutter right the movie was good from everything i've heard movie was, it was good. good it was good it was good everybody has said it was a good movie yeah. which means it has legs yeah which means they'll make a sequel which means they'll try it yeah. as opposed to it being panned and everybody saying they yeah. just killed that franchise like green right? lantern for example well the first green lantern you know yeah. but you, the the issue becomes fantastic four had that happen right. to it too but it's not forever so you you take Black Panther, for example, the comic was $3 before the movie came out. And even with the speculation the movie was going to be good, it never went up to more than 8 or $10 for number one. Yeah. As soon as the movie came out and it was good, it went up to like 30 bucks. As soon as the movie hit hundreds of millions of yeah. dollars, uh, it billions. went up to 100 bucks. Wow. And now it could be as much as 300 bucks, graded in mint condition, for number one, Black Panther. First appearance of Black Panther could bring 500 to 1,000 bucks. Easy. Now, the number in one. In good high-end condition. Right. The number one Black Panther, I think we're talking about in the mid-70s, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not that old. It's a lousy book. It's, it's not my problem. <laughs> investors don't even want to read it. They're going to have it slabbed and sealed I mean, up. Uh, I mean, that was like Jack Kirby on his last leg drawing. It's and they still were really, Kirby. They were really lousy. But it doesn't matter. Kirby, I have anything Kirby yeah. is better than anything that's being made today. So. No, I agree. No, I mean, I mean Jack <laughs> No offense to all my good friends. Jack Kirby's a legend. I mean... I mean, the amazing things he's created will never outlive anything. Now, what appears to me to look god-awful, which we'll see if people uh, like it or not, is this Shazam movie, mm-hmm. which is from uh, a different DC. universe. Well, it's the and, DC universe competing in, yeah. for the and same it's no character, longer, it's Captain no longer, Marvel. But from what I've been told, it's no longer Captain Marvel because it was some kind of... Oh, no, there was a whole legal thing with Captain yeah. Marvel and Marvel Comics and in the, it, throughout the 1950s, 60s, 70s, right. and 80s. They've been fighting that battle forever. But everything I've heard about Shazam is it's a funny superhero movie that's supposed to be just as good as Ms. Marvel. So should we try to, if, if should we tactfully try to pick up some key Shazam issues before the movie comes out? Here's the word you use. It's important. Key issues. Most people don't realize key issues exist. The yeah. issue that's the first appearance, the issue, the first yeah. conflict, all these key issues are valuable. Right. So are you going to gamble that your investment's going to go up in value? If you're paying $3 or $5 for comics, it's a good it. investment. It's worth you it. know, if it goes up, it goes up. If it doesn't, you got a book you liked. Yeah. The point is, is that if you go back and buy right now Shazam number one or Cap- Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel number one, yeah. 
it's too late. You had to have bought it three months ago. Right. Whenever the speculation was out. Speculators buy as soon as they announce the movie. So you go and you buy up all you can in mint condition. You put them away. And then you start selling them a little bit at a time When if you're a seller. Right. If you're just doing it for your own pleasure, go buy it as soon as you hear the movie's coming out. Right. Buy the highest quality you can buy, the best condition you can buy. Bag it and board it and put it away. Right. Now, uh, going backtrack, Miss Marvel number one, which was in the mid-'70s, which I think Carol Danvers was yes. introduced to. Would that be the book to have at the moment? It's hard to say. Yes, I would. You know, but I would go for any of those. Okay. You know, there's a lot of number ones when it comes to that. Yeah. It's also the character that they've created in this movie. That's the storyline that you want to go and get the beginning of. Right. You know, what's in this new universe that they're making. Now, now I'm going to change the gears for a second. Of course. Uh, and you've been doing great. And then we're going to get, in, uh, pretty soon we'll get into those wonderful events. The Northeast Comic Con. We're going to get uh, deep into that. March 15, 16. Now, uh, there's been a scathing HBO documentary on Michael Jackson that's been getting a lot of headlines. Does this hurt Michael Jackson memorabilia? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was a huge demand for Michael Jackson memorabilia at the end of the 20th century. At this point, you can't give it away. I mean, uh, it's interesting that, you know, like the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and people like that bought the, the <laughs> gloves and the valuable stuff because burning money is nothing to them. Right. But the, the Michael Jackson doll, you can't get 25 bucks for really? now. And it's a good-looking doll. It is. It's funny. <laughs> I happen to have several different Michael Jackson things. With I got a different outfits, yeah. I got a drum head signed by the Jackson 4, 4 of the 5, including Michael. You know, things like that have come into possession. Right. And concert posters of the Jackson 5 will still go up in value because they have historical. Right. But anything related to, um, I mean, Michael's pets. They were a plush line. Right. You know, I think they'll always be desirable because now it's sort of like Charlie Manson stuff, uh, Ed Gein's, you know, any any of the, you know, the weirdos that are still popular in popular culture history, there's a group of people that collect that stuff. Right. It's not going to drive the prices up. The high-end stuff's going to drop in price. The low-end stuff's always going to be available. You'll always be able to buy gum cards and, and other caca. Now, you're you're an expert on things. I am, and I and, and I don't even know if this is a question that uh, anybody knows the true answer to. And you made me think. I'll about make it. one up. Well, that's right. I mean, this is your gut opinion. If Charles Manson did make the monkeys, who would he have replaced? What monkey would not have been there? I think that history proved that they all belong there. Stephen Stills didn't make the monkeys. No. A lot of important people didn't make the monkeys that right. went on. Great. I think the monkeys were who they were. You know, again, I could go audition for a job as a bank president. I ain't going to get that job. You know, it's just like Charlie. He might, he wasn't going to get that job. Who was a better bank president, Mr. Mooney or Mr. Drysdale? Uh, I would have to say I would rather do business with Mooney. Okay. That wasn't on my script. But I you know, I know both of those characters, you know, and uh, you, you talk to kids these days and they wouldn't know which either one was. Oh, it's it's scary what they don't know. It's I make a they reference to Google and I'll they make, don't know. I make a reference to uh, Jonathan Frakes at, 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 in front of college kids, how I interviewed him uh, from Next Generation Star Trek. They had no idea who no I was idea. talking about. So uh, one thing, uh, before we get into the wonderful uh, Northeast Comic Con and collectible extravaganza that happened in March 15th, 16th, and 17th, which is this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Box Pro Regionally Hotel. Regency. Regency Hotel. I, I, I just got to want to ask you real two quick questions, and sure. then we'll get into that. 
Uh, one thing you trip over nowadays, and most likely will trip over at the Northeast Comic Con and Collectible Extravaganza, is these Funko Pops. Yes. Should we collect these things because they're going to be worth money someday, or, or should we just buy what we like? So we go back to planned obsolescence. Yeah. Okay? How many people take them out of the box and play with them? I don't know anybody. <laughs> you do, okay? So you're the guy. So <laughs> let's just talk about nostalgia. In 20 years, when people are nostalgic for, oh, these Funko Pops, I remember when I was a kid, and I played with them. No, you don't. You remember when you were a kid, you bought them, you put them in a crate, you bagged <laughs> them up, and you kept them yeah. clean. I know I looked at them again. Everybody is that way. They're like Beanie Babies in one sense. Yeah. There's going to be some really rare ones, and most of the rest are going to be caca. So buy what you like, or buy strategically, like... If you understand the marketplace and you can get actual numbers, okay, we're only making 500 of these, they're only going to be distributed at Toy Fair or at uh, Comic-Con, then you want to, if you're an investor, you invest in those. Right. Will there be buyers for those in 20 years? That's the hard question. Right. Because if you have a choice between a $15 for a cheeseburger and $15 for a Funko Pop, <laughs> you're probably going to choose the cheeseburger because right. the Funko Pop does not taste good with ketchup and mustard. <laughs> So, Northeast Comic-Con Collectibles and, uh, I'm sorry, Comic-Con and Collectibles Extravaganza. Where you'll be able to get Funko Pops. Oh, I'm sure there's (laughs) going to be a lot of deals with them. Uh, they actually taken over. No, not at our show. Our show, we keep it very limited to um, a very good mix of vintage and modern stuff. Most shows like Comic-Cons don't have vintage stuff. Right. It's almost all like... You know, oh, look, I can look that up on eBay and see yeah. exactly how many are selling at this. We we have stuff that you just you haven't seen in a long time. Right. Because as Buffalo Bobby say, we, we appeal to the, the dimples, the pimples, and the wrinkles. You know, all three <laughs> generations of nostalgia. Dimples, you know? pimples, and wrinkles. And, like and so if you come and you're any of those, you're going to see your youth. Yeah. You're going to see um, nostalgic things that are going to make remind you of Things of all generations. And I think that's a key element to our show. The Collectibles Extravaganza has been going since 1985. And it's because I aggregate, you know, records and toys and comics and posters and art and different weird things along with new artists, new authors, new developers and game developers and new jewelry and and arts and style stuff, you know. So the reality is if you got to get a mix like that in order to evolve the marketplace where artists and consumers and historians all can get together and say, wow, that's cool. You know, I've never seen that where magic will happen. We have comic book artists. We have comic book authors. We have real novelists there. In fact, Will Murray, one of my favorite authors is there who created with Kirby the unbeatable squirrel girl. He was the (laughs) co-creator, but he's also the author of the phantom books and doc savage books. Great intellect, great depth, you know, sitting right next to somebody who's doodling cartoons. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's great fun to mix that. And I want to talk about some of the celebrity guests. I know you have a lot of great comic book artists and, uh, People should check uh, any comiccons.com website for all the information. But you got uh, Gilbert, the one and only Gilbert Godfrey there. Affleck. No, yeah, Gilbert. <laughs> we have Gilbert. Can he do Affleck anymore? He, uh, he lost that contract. He, wants. he can do any. Gilbert can do anything he wants. No one's going to sue Gilbert. It'd be like <laughs> ridiculous. But Gilbert is a very personable human being at an event like this. Yeah. You know, uh, you might not think that, but yes, he is. 
And Chris Rankin, uh, Percy Weasley from Harry Potter. Well, Chris has never done an event in New England before, or anywhere in America before. So he was he's living in uh, in England, and we we tracked him down. He's been uh, on the set and crew for Downton Abbey for years and years, oh, I and he's that. made six or seven Harry Potter films. Right. But he's a humble guy who likes to sing, and he likes to meet his fans. Chris Rankin will be making his first American appearance here. Ann Robinson, Sylvia from my, probably my favorite science fiction movie of all time, The War of the Worlds. Hey, trendsetter. I mean, that set the whole level. I mean, Forbidden Planet might be something, but War of the Worlds is H.G. Wells's novel created. Right. In 1953, Ann Robinson was a superstar, yeah. and she quit show business and she's 90 and she's God coming to meet her. fans thursday night we're doing a screening of war of the worlds at the regent theater oh, I didn't know with that. ann robinson doing a q a oh i didn't know that yeah that's a surprise can i go to it yes of course you can <laughs> uh nicholas brendan xander on buffy the vampire slayer which is still as popular as ever 22nd anniversary they just have a record coming out of them all singing something yeah i mean it's amazing how popular vampires still are and Gigi Edgley from Farscape, who's going to give a concert performance and karaoke with fans as part of the Friday night after party. That's correct. Both Friday night, uh, we have Nick, uh, Gigi Edgley doing a concert and uh, performing karaoke with fans. Saturday night, Nick Brendan is doing a private karaoke with fans. And of course, Saturday night's our big party. With the Fools. You've heard of them? <laughs> yeah. It's a night for beautiful girls. And Certainly. life sucks and Psych- then you die. And Psycho Chicken. I mean, and, everything. World uh, Dance Park. I and, love that. And uh, I, I do want to mention Holy Cross graduate Mark Goddard, a.k.a. Major Don West from Lost in Space, who's always a treat. So uh, real quick, hours are 4 to 8 p.m. Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sunday. Those are the show hours for the exhibitor halls and the artists. There's concerts. Friday night goes from after the show closes, 8 o'clock till 11 o'clock. And Saturday night, we have the Rod, Robin Williams tribute show right. at 6.30 that we're filming for his movie with Roger Kebler as Robin Williams. And then uh, Saturday night, we have the Nicholas Brendan party, then The Fools, Guello, and Tsunami of Sound. <sighs> Excuse me, and uh, uh, real quick, uh, weekend passes are 20 in advance online, 30 at the door. Tickets are $10 in advance, 20 at the door. Friday, 15 in advance, 20 at the door. Saturday, $12 in advance, 20 at the door. Sunday, and weekend passes, $20 in advance, 30 at the door. VIP packages are also available. Kids 10 and under are free with adult admissions. Plenty of free parking. For more information, go to anycomiccons.com. Guaranteed, not boring, <laughs> and free parking. Where do you find that? Absolutely. And Gary, this has been a thrill. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Worcester Culture Watch. For more, read our arts and entertainment coverage in the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and online at telegram.com. WTY Unity Radio broadcasts on 102.9 FM in Worcester and streams online at unityradioma.org. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.